0: is a documentary of film about an abstract artist before the term existed. A visionary trailblazing figure who, inspired by spiritualism, modern science, and the riches of the natural world around her, began in 1906 to reel out a series of huge, colorful, sensual, and strange works without any precedent in art history. The subject of a recent smash retrospective at the Guggenheim Museum, Off Klint was for years an all but forgotten figure in art historical discourse before her long-delayed rediscovery. Director Halina Dirschka's dazzling course-correcting documentary describes not only the life and craft of Off Klint, but also the process of her mischaracterization and erasure by both a patriarchal narrative of artistic progress and a capitalistic determination of her artistic value. The film is called Beyond the Visible, Hilma of Klint, and we're joined today by the director of this remarkable documentary film, and that would be Halina Dirschka. Halina, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Thank you very much. I'm very pleased that you have me.
0: When and how did you discover Hilma of Klint, and what was it about her story that gave you the confidence that you felt you needed in order to embark on a documentary film project about her and her life?
1: Well, actually, the first time I heard of Hilma Afklind was in a newspaper article. And um, the title of this article was Art History Has to be Rewritten. That is, um, That was actually in the cultural part of the, let's say, most important uh, newspapers in Germany. So uh, I was very intrigued by this title. So I read this article about Hilma af Klint and I thought... That can't be that. You, that I have never heard of her. And half a year later came the exhibition from Stockholm, where it started. Uh, that's now more than five years ago. It came to Berlin, to Berlin. And I immediately went there to the exhibition. And I have to say, I was completely speechless when I was standing uh, in front of the, those paintings. Absolutely. They're not just stunning, but they're really um, taking your breath away. And after realizing what is happening with me in this exhibition, I got really angry because I couldn't believe that everything that I read so far, because I had done already some research by reading everything that I could get, um, I, I realized nothing of that could be true because they told talk- the story was simply that this was a forgotten artist, um, very alone in Sweden. She didn't exhibit. She knew nobody. She was not connected in the art world and so on. And uh, But she has done yeah, remarkably work, but it was just discovered. But when I stood there, I had the feeling this can't be true. And so, yeah, I started right
0: away. So you were obviously very intrigued by what you've seen at the exhibition of her work. How do you begin that first step? This is someone who's essentially been erased from history and who the bulk of their artistic output happened almost a century ago. Where do you begin?
1: Well, actually, the first step was um, because I didn't know uh, what will happen to the exhibition after Berlin. I knew it was going to another city in Europe, but we didn't know by then. I spoke with the curator at, at this evening at the opening night uh, Iris Müller Westermann and she works uh, for the Stockholm Modern Museum and she was the curator of this fabulous show and I asked her and asked her if she can give me some you know input if you, she she can tell me a bit more about it so we 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 met i think just a, a day later and had a coffee together and she she told me about that and then she told me she doesn't know how long this show will go on. And I thought, okay, the first thing I have to do is filming the paintings, of course, because as as you also see in the film, some of them are extremely huge. So where can I film them but, but in the museum? And they have to be hanging somewhere because otherwise... Uh, I can't go into the archive and just film them because then you you wouldn't be probably able to see everything. You need really space. So I started filming with a very, you know, simple camera because we didn't have any money for that. But so I just did some simple filming uh, in the first place that we just got at least something. And uh, then I applied for some money. And yeah, that worked a bit. But uh, I, I went on, I, I simply went on doing research, connecting with people. And I went, actually, I was traveling to some of their exhibitions afterwards. And the year year after I saw it, there were two more exhibitions coming up. So I traveled there and, and met some interesting people. Funny enough, the interesting people were, um, and that tells a lot, I think, about the art history. I mean, not all of them, but funny enough, most of the interesting people were not sitting at the stage. You know, sometimes they had some seminars after the opening show or something. And uh, then you have seminars and all these art historians sit there and speak, um, yeah, more or less interesting things. But in the end, I I figured out some uh, in the audience, there were also artists, you know, and other art historians probably who haven't been invited on stage, but were very um, asking interesting questions. And yeah. That, that was
0: really fabulous. In the film, there are people who are distant relatives or friends of people who, who knew uh, Hilma. Tell me a little bit about connecting with those people, that side of her life. She was not a very outgoing person. Her personal life was very private. Uh, so I can imagine connecting with family would have been very important in terms of telling her story tell us a little bit about how that happened
1: yeah i mean first of all i i, I really um I, I started a full course to connect with the family first um with johann afklind he was by then uh, actually the head of the foundation because uh, the whole work is owned by a foundation, and most of the members were, at this time, from the family. And, um, yes, and he was very helpful because trying to support me with everything and showing me also some photographs and what he had. And, as you mentioned, there wasn't much. Um, Hilma Afgrind was, yeah, in a, in a way she was private, but, of course, we don't have to forget the time. The photography was already invented, but, I mean, I guess it was quite expensive. So you don't have many photographs of that, those people. And when I started the film, I had exactly, I think, three or four photographs of Hilma af Klint. And um, I knew that that I had to somehow uh, look for something um, or to invent my own kind of style or, um, how do you say, I, I had to invent some pictures that wouldn't disturb her paintings let's say and yeah and so I really dived in into everything and it was was very interesting because at in the first place when I started there was actually nothing personal so you really have to to look close and oh and I should probably mention <laughs> that nothing was translated I'm German I'm from Berlin and um it's I speak some uh, foreign languages but it Swedish. Uh, I didn't speak, but I—that was one of the first things I did. I got myself a, a teacher for Swedish, some Swedish, because uh, I, which is probably not too complicated. If you if you speak German, it's um, it's not really related, but a little bit similar sometimes, especially for reading. Not speaking, this is something completely different, but reading. So I needed to read at least that I could know what was written in this notebook. She has written more than 25,000 pages of notebooks. Actually, most of them are all about her work, about her way of seeking for truth in life, or about, yeah, about uh, the reason why we are here on this planet. And um, this is also not very easy reading, but at least I could sometimes... Uh, tell or is this interesting or not? Or can somebody translate that to me? So I had really to figure out what this was all about. Funny enough, what is also very very funny is when you're doing the research about someone who is yeah has had been ignored so much. Some there were just a few a few catalogs written so far on Hilma af Klint, but uh, when you read them sometimes, and that is also something very true for art history, I guess uh, people cite what was written before you know they, they decide what was written before and then uh, you look at it and then i wasn't in the archive and suddenly i figured out oh it is not true that she never that she never went anywhere else than sweden because that was somehow the, the picture you got in the beginning because i found notebooks and there was written italy on it and then there were drawings from from Florence, and um, from uh, Milano, and, you know, from, from different cities, and also uh, in, in Holland, she was in the Netherlands, Germany, I found a little sketch of the um, uh, Bad book in Germany, so that's a castle here, yeah, so, and I thought, oh, that's interesting, has never, and, and that's, uh, and for me, it was very interesting, because then you realize, if nobody asks a question, and nobody is interested, then they don't look it up, and then you don't know, of course. I mean, very simple. But um, I was so surprised because her first exhibition, uh, I don't know if you know that, the first exhibition of, of, of paintings of Wilma of Lind were already in 1986 in Los Angeles. And so the art world was quite aware of her. And still, nobody really have, has looked so very deeply.
0: I'd like to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Halina Dirschka, she's the director of a remarkable documentary film about a artistic pioneer. The film is called Beyond the Visible Hilma af Klint. I'd like to take our conversation into a breakdown of Hilma and her work in the context of art history of abstract art and the people who were circling in this realm of art at the time she was doing it, and also the quasi-religious, science-based naturalism. There's a whole bunch of different elements in what was known at the time as theosophy. So let's talk about the people around her and also put her role in this period of time in the context of that movement.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I would. Yeah, I would say she was one of the first to somehow, yeah, invented abstract painting. You can probably say that. Just a few years ago, that they found that there is someone called Georgiana Houghton who uh, was British, and she also painted abstract. She was a medium in London, uh, um, and she was probably 40 years older than Hilma af and uh, so she also exhibited some of her works. But there were tiny little works. But at least. There were some other people, but I think with Hilma Clint it's so important to stress that's really um, that she was really uh, in this kind of way of how abstraction uh, came to light, like all the other artists, uh, you know, uh, Kandinsky and Mondrian, uh, for example, or Malevich, they all worked in the same way. They all were interested in the same things. They were all interested in theosophy. Mondrian was a theosophist all of his life theosophy was the yeah that was actually the the big thing around the the end of the 19th century and uh, it was founded in new york uh, by helena blavatsky and many many artists uh, were actually interested in that and also in the kind of physics mathematics but especially physics quantum physics everything that was discovered all the discoveries uh, which were made by then I think it was impossible not to know that. And obviously Hilma Afklind knew that because her series are called The Atom, for example, right? So she's looking very, very closely at things. But there is a difference, I have to say, between Hilma Afklind and all the other artists <laughs> who paint abstract. Uh, she is painting abstract, I think, be- for the same reason why probably Kandinsky painted abstract, he also wanted to show how do things look, right? Uh, look, We think they look. we think uh, a table looks like a table, but but we know it might not be. It's just we just assume it 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 should look like that. This is I have this fabulous um, scientist of um, how do you say um, um of history right um who's explaining those things in the film because uh, by then artists realized everything what was happened for example the x rays or that you that they discovered that we just see 5% of the light human beings are just able to see 5% of the light there is that means 95% we can't perceive and If you are an artist, and that is such a nice idea, I think, that is important, I think, for everybody to know, because that is how it is today. Uh, Also, if you just see 5%, then what is with the other 95%? Then we are just very limited. And that is where everybody wanted to go, because then you have to invent everything. And that's what those abstract artists did. Um, and So Hilma Klint went the same way, but she went even further, I think because she was so spiritual and really, really looking for, some kind of truth in her life and that is the reason what you mentioned before that, that there's enormous power and you know there's coming a pure joy i think from this paintings they're absolutely when you're standing there you feel like you're at home you feel like you're coming home because everything seems to be good and i felt a big relief because i thought oh god thank God that that this exists because um, then nothing is so horrible in the end on this planet. Sometimes you can think that, (laughs) you know? Sometimes you think, oh God, can it be true? Especially in those days. And you think, oh, is this really real? Maybe not, maybe not. Maybe just, maybe we're human beings are making our life very, very complicated. And so Hilma F. Clint is not just an artist she is really a seeker and she truly i think she succeeded she succeeded very very well in painting what is beyond what we see and this is something i find and in the end i have to say that uh for me this is a very successful life it it is not what you call uh what we, you would call success in our let's, our let's say in our reality, because she didn't sell anything, she didn't go to galleries, she doesn't, she didn't want that. She didn't even want to play the game. She was not interested in becoming uh, the the first abstract artist. She was not, but she was interested that people would recognize her works and would see them because she 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 wrote that down for herself. She said it is really important for humankind.
0: In addition to her art, her abstract art, she also kept journals, and you described earlier 25,000 pages worth of writing that she did over the course of her lifetime. Curious about the bearing that those writings had on her art. And another aspect of all of this, you've spent a lot of time around Hilma of Klint's work. Uh, What what little I've been exposed to it was uh, very powerful and pulled me in on an emotional way that I did not expect. You've been around people who have been exposed to her art. Let's talk a little bit about your reaction to her art and how you've watched other people react to the work of Hilma Klint.
1: There there are no... I would say there are no words for that. That's why Hilma Klint painted. She wrote a lot, but I think nothing is so strong as her paintings. And I have to say, um, because you said, if you're not drawn into... I I always... um, I always have the feeling if people are not drawn into that, something must be wrong with them. <laughs> I'm very sorry. I don't want to get near to somebody, but sometimes I feel something must be wrong to them because, you know, there is no harm in, I mean, at least it's not harm. And that's, um, I think a lot of art can do a lot of harm also, if you were, if you were careful, um, Especially in film business, you can see that, you know, some films are really, I mean, just made for money or something. I mean, that's okay in a way, but um, sometimes it does harm things. And with Hilma, comes, she represents a view of life and a view on art that is so um, unique in a way because it is without any ego, you know. That is really without any ego. And that is, of course, one of the main, let's say, main parts of the theosophy, that you, and it's also a Buddhistic way of looking at it, that you really take away your own ego because it's not about you. And that's what she said, and that's probably why she burned all her letters, because that's what we think. She has destroyed in the late 30s, so she was already seven, more than 70 years old, she has destroyed a lot of her writings, and you see ripped out, um, Uh, some uh, paper or works or, yeah, from the notebooks. um, Some of the pages are ripped out. So she wanted the people to talk about her art and not about herself. Uh, Even if we, uh, yeah, we did find out that some little tiny things.
0: You mentioned earlier the fact that her work is now being shown. Uh, I know there was a big exhibit in New York not too long ago. Other exhibits, I assume more and more of them, are are being held around the art world. Are you seeing the changes in the perception and her place in art history? Is that happening? And if not, why not? Uh, So talk a little bit about how, through your work with the film, Beyond the visible Hilma of Clint and other people are now hopefully stepping up to put her where she deserves to be.
1: Yeah, I, I, would, I would say, I mean, art history is, is going to be rewritten now. They are rewriting art history, let's say. I mean, uh, we have now museums showing her art, and uh, there are more and more exhibitions. More and more people are interested and of course due to the guggenheim exhibition last year i mean so many visitors came so it's really spreading the word to everybody i think you can see that you know even books who are written i i with the with the historian of science uh, who's in my film he just wrote a new book and i met him um uh, I think last summer. And he said, Oh, I'm writing a new book about physics and also about how abstraction came in. And I said, Oh, did you mention Hilmar Flint? He said, oh, No, I forgot. And then uh, I got in and I said, You shouldn't write her in. And next day, I got an email. And he said, Oh, she's in, she's in. <laughs> and now the book is printed, you know, that's how it starts and and i think um many many people it's not just me are working on that and of course it's part of the art it's it's the work of the art historians who should do that i think my my work in this art history part is done because honestly i am not really interested in who was first or whatever i just pointed that out very clearly in the film because nobody would have listened you know it was very important to say she is first those are your rules we are playing with your rules so she was first done and i have said it i've said it out loud i don't want to discuss it anymore she is there but now i i have the feeling i really have to aim why this work is so extremely important i think it can bring out really the best in you this this, this those paintings i mean this is what i what i has discovered and uh, due, for my research in the film i i had really it was not easy to finance this film it was really uh, we we didn't have much money but uh, in the end uh, we we made it and that is important but i had really fulfilling 5 years working on that
0: well i for one am thrilled that you've devoted so much of your time and effort to putting this wonderful film together. It is, as I said earlier, a remarkable documentary about a remarkable artist, and thank you for that. Thank you for your work here. For people who want to find out more about the film, it's being released here in the U.S. through Zeitgeist Films, zeitgeistfilms.com. You go there and you can find out more about Beyond the Visible, Helma of Klint. You can go to the filmschoolradio.com website to find out how to do that. There also is available through Kino Now, which is a platform by which you can watch the movie and you also can support local cinema which is in dire need of your support right now, given the circumstances we find ourselves in. Helena Dierschka, congratulations on this brilliant film, and thank you so much for finding time to spend with us today here on Film School Radio. Thank you, and come back anytime.
1: Yeah, very nice. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much.